Okay, let's move on to Robert Norris. Bobby Norris, in my opinion, is the strongest suspect in this case. There's one more person that Detective Kevin Allen thinks could have murdered Judy McFarlane. Bad news, bad news, bad news. He's no good for nothing. I'll never forget one time he got arrested and he was mad because the officer told him that he needed to be under the jailhouse, not in the jailhouse. Judy's family and friends are split on Bobby Norris as a suspect, but there's no denying he had motive to spare. Do you think Bobby Norris could have been the murderer of Judy McFarland? It wouldn't surprise me at all if he were. Why do you say that? Because of his nature and the way he hated Judy. She was the reason he was in jail that time. Judy's husband, Jim McFarland, wasn't the only man in Judy's life who was sitting in prison in the years leading up to her death. But Bobby Norris got out the week Judy disappeared, and he knew she was the reason he'd been locked up in the first place. Do you think maybe he would have been upset with Judy for pointing out where he had been? Yeah. And he had two years to think about what he was going to do to her. I'm Haley Holloway, and this is Shallow Graves. So this one's a lot, um, everything's much closer together than our previous cases. I mean, the yeah. last season we were all over town. Tiffany Sessions definitely took us all over the place. Yeah. I asked Detective Kevin Allen to take me out so I could see the places relevant to Judy's case because I'd had a really hard time wrapping my head around the fact that no one had reported seeing her body in the retention bond until the prison lawn crew spotted it. All right, so we're coming up on it pretty soon. Okay, yeah, orient me where we are. We just right. turned off of Williston or Waldo. Yes, and we are westbound on 39th Avenue, and the retention pond where Judy was found is right behind this auto dealership. So not something that can... There oh, is, oh, just my past okay. You can't see it from the road. From what I could tell on a map and in pictures, the pond is right next to a main road that leads to Gainesville's airport, and it doesn't look that far from the sidewalk. And since Judy was missing and likely in water for the five-ish months before she was found, I just couldn't imagine how not even one person saw or smelled a body. All right, so over your left-hand shoulder right now, that's where the retention pond is. But as soon as Detective Allen and I pulled up to the pond, some things, like the visibility from the road, started to make more sense. It's really hidden back in the woods. But once we got out of the car and started walking around, I had even more questions than I'd had before. How long has that sidewalk been there? Because wouldn't it have smelled? Yeah, about... Uh, when you're in a wooded area, you smell decomp all the time. You're kidding. Oh, yeah. And having been at a lot of homicide scenes, like I'll 
step out of a car somewhere, I mean, you know, humans, we can't tell whether it's a dead deer or okay. a dead body, but I smell it all the time. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't know what it smelled like. I would just have thought somebody on a walk or something might have seen her. That's I, not The road's not very far away. Yeah, and I don't think this is a very popular place to walk in, even back then. Okay. You know, because it's such a busily traveled road. And there's really nothing between here yeah. and, you know, the like a 7-Eleven. The retention pond is a long rectangle. The short sides are parallel to the road, and its length leads into the woods. A lot of thick, tangled woods. In fact, all of the sides are surrounded by woods except the front, and even that's partially covered by trees and heavy brush. So it's a good-sized retention pond. Yep. It's weird that there's no water in it. Yeah, and this is a rainy part of the season, too. The barbed wire fence is far enough back from the sidewalk, probably a good 30 to 40 feet, that you can't really tell what you're looking at unless you're looking for something. So if someone was just walking on the sidewalk, even if they looked through that opening of trees, it feels like there's a 0% chance they'd have noticed anything weird. And yeah, what would this have way. been? I don't know. So pretty unoccupied. Okay. Yeah, pretty desolate. Okay. Haley, if you keep on walking, you'll see there's a lot more water down there too as you go deeper. There is? Okay. Being back by the pond made me feel like I was looking out of a high window. You know how when you look out, you can basically see everything, but someone looking in can't really see much of anything, especially if they're not trying to. And that's what the retention pond is like once you get through that opening of trees in between the locked gate and the main road. So I think you'd have to leave the sidewalk and go walk over to the pond to see anything in it. And then there's still tons of trash and brush and vines and swampy stuff covering much of what's beyond the fence. And after being back there myself, I don't think there's any way anyone would have seen Judy's body. It's just too heavily wooded. And if we go back to the over-the-fence theory for a minute, I'm not even sure if I'd driven by and a truck had been backed up to that fence, if I'd have thought anything of it, or even noticed it, especially at night. Okay, so what's the theory? Well, where, if it's Bobby where? Norris, I'm thinking he pulled up with his truck late at night, lights off, uh, drags her out, jumps on the um, front of the truck, picks her up, throws her over. The water might have been higher at that point. Otherwise, he hopped over the fence himself, pulled her out in the water, weighted her down with something, and walked away. In Detective Allen's opinion, this is the most likely scenario, the over-the-fence theory. And Bobby Norris is the most likely suspect. You know, well, it really isn't as tall as I was no. picturing in my head. I thought, you know, you could sit on the hood of a car, but on a truck, you'd be up a lot higher. Easy, yeah. And knowing Bobby Norris, I'll bet, I think he had a truck back then, or, you know, trucks are very popular in this area of the state. As we walked outside the locked fence that Judy had been mysteriously found in 30-something years earlier, the over-theory seemed a little more possible to me, even though it still left a lot to be explained. Do you see how easy it would have been just to climb on a pretty high car or truck right here? And yeah, easy. Throw them over? Easy, but it was interesting um, in the medical examiner's report that she had abrasions like on her chin and her bones and stuff that they said would have been consistent with concrete, hmm. which would have fed into their storm drain. Where is the storm drain? I don't know. Oh, we it just definitely just... was not my working theory. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Detective Allen does not buy into this one, but humor me for a minute because I find the theory that Judy washed into the storm drain combined with all of the post-mortem abrasions on her bones especially compelling. So remember a couple of episodes ago, I told you the Alachua County Sheriff's Office pulled maps of the county's underground drainage system and tried to figure out which of the storm drains and culverts could have led to the retention pond. Well, I just found a newspaper article the other day that said a detective at the Sheriff's Office thought it could be one of just four 30-inch pipes that led underground to the retention pond in which Judy's body was found. Larry Schnell of the Florida Times Union newspaper reported that part of the drainage system was accessible through a manhole on Northwest 39th Avenue, which is the street where Judy's church and trailer and the retention pond were all located. But a detective at the sheriff's office had cast doubt that someone would have lifted the 150-pound manhole cover to dump Judy's body. Mary Shedden from the Gainesville Sun reported that the sheriff's office was saying Judy's body was most likely placed in a pipe between Main Street and Northeast 15th, which is actually really narrowed down when you consider the whole city's drainage system. And I know most of you listening aren't from Gainesville and don't know the roads, but this one's actually pretty easy to picture in your head because everything's on the same street, 39th. It's all on the same side of the street, the north side, and it's all in a line. So, If you head east on 39th or go left to right on a map, the first location is Judy's Church. Then, if you keep going about three quarters of a mile east, you'll get to our new place from after the fire. And then another three quarters of a mile east is the retention pond, which backs up to that big, heavily wooded area. If you keep heading east a couple of miles, you'll hit that 15th Street boundary that the Sheriff's Office described, and then it's Gainesville's airport. So everything's on this road? Yep. After we saw the retention pond, I asked Detective Allen to show me the church, which has since moved to a different part of town, and then Judy's neighborhood so I could get an idea for how reasonable it would have been for her to walk home that night. Sixth Street up here, so two more blocks that way. So it's a doable walk. Yeah, if it, it's which nice out and she it. likes walking in the rain, boom, yeah. she just walked in on 39th Avenue on that sidewalk. Judy's neighborhood was less than a mile from the church, and we were in the car and not walking, but it snuck up on me pretty quickly. Oh, whoa, that's definitely an easy walk. And I don't know if I'd have wanted to do that walk in the rain, but it didn't seem like a crazy idea when I saw how close the two locations were. Okay, because I was interested in that too, of what, was it too far for her to have walked? And that's why she turned down the ride, I I would think. Mm -hmm. She wanted to walk, or she got a bad vibe from these guys. Okay, that's all I have from the retention pond for now. And I've got to tell you about Robert Lawrence Norris. Did most people call him Bobby Norris? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I see Robert a lot, so I'm not sure how to reference him yet. But before anything happened... Robert Norris, Bobby Norris, was in a relationship with one of Judy's sisters, right, Jeanette? Correct. And he seems like quite a character. He's got a really long rap sheet, and it seems to range from burglary to drinking and driving to abuse. On paper, he doesn't look like a good guy. Bobby Norris, in my opinion, is the strongest suspect in this case. 
Bobby Norris was quote-unquote adopted into Judy, Nancy, and Jeanette's family when the girls were growing up. Apparently, he was the son their father never had. But at some point, he turned from a pseudo-brother into a lover. In fact, he and the youngest of the sisters, Jeanette, have two kids together. But Bobby Norris was not a good guy. Bobby's rap sheet is like a CVS receipt, and I don't feel like you need to know much more than that. But there is one incredibly important arrest that matters a lot and gives Bobby both motive and opportunity in Judy's case. So I guess what happened was Jeanette came to Bobby and said she was pregnant and wasn't sure who the dad was, and Bobby did not (coughs) handle that well. When uh, this occurred, Jeanette did not know for certain who the biological father was, and that set Bobby Norris off. And it resulted in Bobby Norris committing extremely violent acts of domestic violence against Jeanette. Judy was there when the domestic violence occurred, and Judy stepped in because Bobby Norris was really hurting her sister. This was in March of 1990, so almost two years before anything happened to Judy, when she and her sister Jeanette were both staying at that big house with their mom. Well, when Jeanette told Bobby she was six weeks pregnant, he apparently lost it and attacked both sisters. First Jeanette shoving her against a van and biting her cheek, and then when Judy tried to step in, he punched her in the face several times. And so Judy got struck a few times, or many times, and eventually someone called 911 and the police responded. Well, Bobby Norris is a streetwise guy, as you mentioned before. He's got a rap sheet a mile long and he knows if someone calls the police and there are victims there, you know, bleeding and bruised, that he's gonna go to jail. So he took off. So when the police arrived, Bobby Norris was not there. GPD, the Gainesville Police Department, was unable to locate him at that point. But police did look through the house where they were told Bobby had ransacked the first floor. There were holes in the wall. Parts of the kitchen lighting had been knocked out and was on the floor. A window was broken. A table was overturned and broken. And they said there was broken glass everywhere. And then the officers took a look at the sisters and decided they needed to wait and see if Bobby Norris would come back. And so one policeman, you know, just wasn't there just to take a report and wait for the cops to get called back again. He saw the injuries that Bobby Norris had inflicted on two women that night, so he was smart enough to turn his radio down low, park his marked police car pretty far away, and kind of wait close by for when this guy came back, because they usually come back in uh, DV and domestic violence cases. So that's what happened. At some point while the officer was waiting, Bobby got back into the house. And so when the officer circled around to the back of the house, he saw Bobby upstairs talking with Jeanette, and he called for backup. And when he saw the bad guy come back in the house, he just didn't rush right in and try to do something. He called his backups and made sure there were plenty of policemen there. Officers came in through the front and the back and were making their way upstairs when they saw three kids sleeping in one of the bedrooms and they stopped to take the kids downstairs so they'd be safe with their moms, Jeanette and Judy. One of those moms had helped Bobby Norris hide in the house, but the other had told police exactly where they could find him. Judy pointed out where Bobby Norris was hiding. Judy said he's hiding upstairs in the bathroom behind a mirror on the wall. This was kind of hard for me to picture, but there was apparently some sort of cubby hole in the wall over the toilet in an upstairs bathroom, and that's where Jeanette had told Bobby to hide. 
Again, I hit him and protected him. I told him where the cubby hole was above the toilet so he could hide from the wall. You can go above the toilet. There's like a storage space. You can climb in it above the toilet. You can't stand up, but you can sit in it. And it's mainly for storage. Mm. He went and climbed up in there to hide from the wall because he was pushing around on me. Because I love him, I tried to protect him. Mm -hmm. um, Judy remembered the cubby hole, but I still wouldn't turn him in. She did. When they finally found Bobby in the cubby hole, things got even more violent. And Bobby Norris came out fighting. It was three against one at that point. It was a knockdown drag out. I mean, that was part of his charges. This part of the story was almost too wild to be true. The officers said Bobby jumped out of the cubbyhole onto the sink, punching and kicking, breaking lights and the mirror, and even the toilet tank, which started spewing water everywhere. Bobby was then punching and kicking at the officers, trying to get past them and screaming, you're going to have to kill me. But instead, they hogtied him. I think they ended up throwing him down the stairs, too. So he definitely gave a beating to two ladies in his house and then he violently resisted arrest so it sounds like law enforcement returned the favor i've never seen somebody be hogtied before i heard him screaming pretty much just squealing like a pig when they hogtied him and carried him out of there they had to carry him all the way through my mom's house and out to out the front door but they they got him and and then he went to prison that was the last time i seen him On the way to jail, Bobby told one of the officers he had connections and was going to find where he lived and blow up his house with everyone in it. After that, and arguably because Judy had called the police and then showed them where Bobby was hiding, Bobby Norris was charged with battery on a pregnant woman, battery on law enforcement, and resisting arrest with violence. Bobby was in prison for close to two years. He was released from police custody on January 14, 1992 the day after Judy was last seen alive. The reason I believe that Bobby Norris is the best suspect in this place is Bobby Norris knew the night he was arrested that the only reason the police knew where he was hiding that night was Judy, that Judy had pointed out that location. So we have Bobby Norris with motive and opportunity, and he was a violent human being. And I think if he had just been stewing inside the jail for a year and a half for crimes that he didn't really think that he should be arrested for, he might have been really angry at Judy and his first stop when he got out of jail might have been to get even with Judy. And he would have known the area very well, I would think, since he was a Gainesville resident for a long time. I think that makes total sense. And it's kind of obvious that he should be looked at that Judy's the one who called the police, showed them where he was, he goes to jail for a year and a half, and she goes missing the moment he's out of jail. Yeah, motive and opportunity are the first things that any police detective look at well, in any crime. Why wasn't he more seriously pursued? Haley, that's what you and I don't know, because there are no reports of any investigation done after Judy's That's wild. We don't know for sure whether Bobby Norris went to find Judy when he was released from prison, but we do know he went to find Jeanette. He came to my apartment. I got an apartment on the other side of town. And he came to my apartment and he hid behind my door. He got in my house somehow. I don't know how. 
When Jeanette walked through her front door, she told me their family friend, James Arnett, was with her. And to this day, she wonders if that saved her life. So because he was there, I think that's why he didn't do anything to me either. And why he was hiding behind my door trying to surprise me. What kind of surprise I was about to get, I really don't know. But if the case was that he had already really killed Judy, I believe he may have been coming to kill me too. Jeanette told me this was not the last time Bobby Norris had hidden and scared her, and the next time in particular raised a red flag for Detective Allen. Can you tell me a bit more about that, Jeanette? So you and Bobby were out searching on your own for Judy in the woods? Yes. And what happened? When I got near the retention pond, later she would be found in. I didn't know at the time, and... um. I was yelling out for him because he decided to hide, and he thought that was funny. And Jeanette tells me a story when I interview her that, you know, they're going out in the woods, they're looking, you know, in close proximity to where the body was found, or to the residence, I don't recall which. And Bobby Norris is right there, right behind her, or next to her the whole time, except when they get close to the retention pond. Jeanette says, you know, she was kind of out in front and she was, you know, walking and, you know, just looking at the ground, looking for anything that would be suspicious. And then when she gets close to the retention pond, she can't find Bobby Norris. To me, you know, is a, a glaring statement that if he was responsible, maybe he just felt too much guilt and that he couldn't deceive Jeanette about not knowing that that was the location. More than anyone, I wanted to know what Jeanette thought about it about all of it. What do you think about that, Jeanette, about Bobby? Um, I think he's capable of it. Uh, back then I was very in love with him and he did a lot of things to hurt me. And I think that Bobby is spiritually, he's just evil. He was evil, he had demons about him and he's just evil. Do you think maybe he would have been upset with Judy for pointing out where he had been? Yeah, and he said he had two years to think about what he was going to do to hurt Judy too. I mean, think about it. Two years is a long time to be locked away. But, I mean, she is the one that called the law. And he did the crime. He did the crime or he wouldn't be there. Right. But she was the one that called the law that got him caught and that he had to go there. Some, like Judy's friend James Arnett, have suspected Bobby Norris from the beginning. And you're pretty sure Judy had something to do with Bobby Norris getting arrested in close proximity to her disappearance and that he kind of magically appeared very soon after that. Is that correct? Yeah, I was there when she called the police on him. Do you think Bobby Norris could have been the murderer of Judy McFarland? It wouldn't surprise me. That's who I suspected right to begin with. You told the police that, too. It's in one of the police reports. Well, I don't doubt it now. Yeah, I'm, he's the one I, I suspect. Like I say, she was she was the reason that he, he was in went to jail at that time, I know. And he got out right around the same time she disappeared. Yeah. Was he the type guy who would hold a grudge? Well, oh, no doubt about it. And then there are others, like Judy's older sister and Judy's ex-husband, who never really thought Bobby had anything to do with it. But Detective Allen found out during his investigation that neither of them knew about the real reason for Bobby's arrest. Here he is talking with Jim McFarlane in 2016 and realizing it was all new information for Judy's ex-husband, who'd apparently been buddies with Bobby Norris back in the day. Oh, Bobby, uh, he, he, I don't think he's a killer or nothing like that. Did you know 
that Bobby Nars beat Jeanette up. No, it wasn't Bobby, was it? And he beat Judy also. And he did a year and a half in prison for it. I didn't know that. He got out right before Judy disappeared. And if it wasn't for Judy, he never would have got arrested. I really didn't know. I, mean, he was, I, was, I didn't know he was like that, that he, that he would... I thought it was somebody else beat her up. He beat her so bad, she was put in the hospital for a few days. He bit her in the face and bit and this is Bobby Norris. Bobby Norris. Judy stood in between them and he punched Judy in the head and other parts of her body. And she called 911 and that's how he went to prison. Yeah, never knew that. I didn't even know he was violent like that. I'm Very. Substantial criminal history. Bobby had motive and opportunity. Okay. Had motive to get even, but putting him in prison, and he just got out right before that. And Bobby Norris knows Jeanette would never put him in jail. She just, she's crazy in love with him, always was. You know, it was like her first lover, and she was very loyal. So I, I think Bobby Norris also was a prime suspect. I think it probably makes sense that Judy's estranged husband, Jim McFarland, didn't know about this. After all, he was also in prison when all of this went down. But Detective Allen said Judy's oldest sister, Nancy, didn't know about it either. And Nancy told me recently it was brand new news to her that the person that beat up Jeanette was Bobby Norris. Uh, she did not know. All Jeanette had said um, that she'd been beaten up really bad, needed medical assistance, and she just said, my boyfriend did it, but Jeanette did not want her sister Nancy to know that it was Bobby Norris. And it makes me wonder if Jeanette is covering a little bit for Bobby Norris, since that was the love of her life. I'll admit I also had a hard time with the Bobby Norris theory because when I first started looking into this case and I was reading newspaper articles from when Judy was still missing in 92, Bobby Norris was quoted more than any of the rest of the family, constantly and publicly griping about the level of effort from the Alachua County Sheriff's Office. When Elizabeth Foster went missing two months after Judy, Bobby told Tom Lyons from the Gainesville Sun, quote, they're giving this girl all the firepower in the world. He said, nobody was willing to lift a damn finger to help us. It's just really bitter. Those kids, they miss their mother. He added, quote, I know exactly what's happened. The girl is dead out there. And then suggested Judy might have been found by then if deputies and dogs had searched longer. And once Judy's body was found, Bobby Norris was pictured with Jeanette at a sheriff's office news conference detailing how they'd identified Judy's body. And Bobby was then quoted as saying, we're all pretty much sick over this thing right now. As a matter of fact, we were up pretty much all last night. And then after the funeral, Bobby was in the paper again, saying his goal for the future was to make sure what happened to Judy never happened again, and again complained about law enforcement's handling of the case and the fact that no one ever opened the gate to check the retention pond. Maybe if she were still in school, it might have made a difference, he said. We searched all over that area. We went through places even a rabbit wouldn't go. We didn't cry wolf. We're not going to let this rest. You know, he was all over the press after Judy went missing. And he was even saying, I know she's dead. I believe he also said in one of the press releases, I know she's out here in these woods somewhere. And then comes the real interesting story of Jeanette, mm -hmm. Judy's sister. So uh, at one point, you know, one of the things Bobby Norris is saying publicly to the media is like, 
the police are not assisting us enough in trying to find uh, my sister-in-law, Judy McFarlane. The, his behavior after she went missing, even through the funeral, was really interesting. He couldn't have been more vocal about the sheriff's office not treating Judy like Beth, who was missing at the time, and Tiffany Sessions, who was missing at the time. He just kept saying, you guys need to be doing more. But if he was responsible and the sheriff's office did more, wouldn't there be the possibility he'd get caught? Uh, it appears to me that, you know, he took the philosophy of the, the best defense is a good offense. So I think he came out real vocal. So like, you know, the sheriff's office needs to do more. And maybe that was to deflect from his culpability in this case. And, but you and I will never know because there are no police reports about what happened after they found Judy's body. That would have been pretty brave of him, though, to be so outspoken if he was responsible. Yeah, pretty radical on his part, and I'm not thinking he's the most sensible. I think he spent the majority of his adult life in prison, so, uh, you know, he's just uh, a violent, nasty human being. Hmm. Was Bobby ever interviewed as a, even a person of interest? To my knowledge, no. There has to be an explanation. He, he seems to be the most obvious person, not even in hindsight. And a lot of the family thinks Bobby did it. Yeah. I would think that would be the suspect you'd want to hammer the hardest with a little bit of leverage in an interview. That would be the logical way to handle that. But there's a big problem with Bobby being a prime suspect and the fact that no one ever interviewed him. He's dead. Bobby Norris died in prison in 2010, almost 20 years after Judy was killed and five before Detective Allen got to the Alachua County Sheriff's Office and reopened Judy's case. So if it's Bobby and he's dead, how do you solve it? We have no witnesses except for the people that last saw them alive. So unless a witness comes forward, perhaps as a result of a podcast, and says, Bobby Norris told me he did this, or I observed this. This case, in my opinion, is unsolvable with Bobby Norris as the suspect. How long were you with Bobby, Jeanette? Off and on for years. I stayed with him because of the children for a while. And for the love of my, I would go back to him. Mm -hmm. Were you afraid of Bobby? Yeah. Because he's evil. He's very evil. I went away for almost, I think, like 11 years. I went away with my kids to be away from Bobby because I felt it would be dangerous for my kids or he might do something to me. But I literally moved away for their safety and mine. I think it was one of the biggest mistakes our whole entire family made is bringing somebody in who obviously had a lot of problems, a lot of problems, and obviously problems that a good man can't even fix. Whether he actually took Judy's life, though, I can't say that. I really can't. I can't say he took her life, but I know he had threatened mine. I know something happened. I have no doubt in my mind that my sister's in heaven. I have no doubt in my mind that Bobby is in hell. So either way, if he did it, he's paying for it. 
Let's talk about these house fires. What are the odds? Judy's the center of all of it, right? Judy was murdered. Judy's home she was in burned to the ground, and then the home she shared with her husband. It also burned to the ground. On the next episode of Shallow Graves. This case is so wild, just her disappearance and where she was found, but that it's bookmarked by house fires. That has to be interesting to you at a minimum. Yes, and I don't know what the link was. There's no reasonable explanation. This whole case is twists and turns in mysteries. Like I said to you when we first started talking about it, it's the greatest mystery I've read. If you know anything about the murder of Judy McFarland, please call the Alachua County Sheriff's Office. If you want to get a hold of me, you can call and leave a message at 352-559-5717 or find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Music for this season is by Market Lineout Studios, and all reporting, producing, and editing is done by me, Haley Holloway.